Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do you ever get overcome by all of the troubles in this world? Do you ever watch the news and get overcome with frustration, grief, anger, about all of the things that are going wrong? Do you ever look at our leaders and think, they're serving themselves, not the people that elected them? Has someone that you trusted ever hurt you? You ever think about what needs to change in this world in order for me to have peace? Or perhaps you're too busy with your own day-to-day circumstances to think about all of the injustices in the world. I've got my own problems, you may be thinking. Perhaps your days are so filled up that there is no time to really think about anything except for what is right in front of you. Perhaps, like many Americans, you are just focused on making sure that your future is secure. You work hard to get the future you want. If you are young, you work hard in school to make sure that you're going to get that paycheck that you desire one day. When you're older, You work hard to get the mortgage paid off in order that you can relax and enjoy retirement. When you're young, you spend a lot of time worrying about grades and the future. And when you are older, you keep a close eye on your investments and property values because you want to make sure that everything works out just right. In your personal life, you have goals that need to be reached before you can be at peace. Oftentimes, we search for peace in changing the world, changing others, reaching goals, and buying stuff. But Solomon in our Old Testament reading, noted that these pursuits for peace in this world, he noted that they are like a chasing after the wind. You can't catch the wind. His point was that no peace that can be gained in this world is lasting. The richest and most accomplished men and women that have ever lived still entered eternity with nothing. Besides, with each new goal that we reach, we have a new mountain to climb. In this world, peace is not reached by something that we can do, by something or someone that we can change. It is not reached by something we achieve or possess. The truth truth of it all is that without recognizing God and the redemption that he gives us in Jesus, peace is not possible. We need Jesus. He brings peace with God and he brings peace with our neighbor through his death and resurrection for our forgiveness. This is not something that we can earn. I can't get it. I can't work hard for it. Rather, this is a gift that he gave us in baptism. 
In order to have peace, we die to this life and rise to new life every single day. As the Holy Spirit brings us daily to the gifts that were given in our baptism. You know, our Colossians reading, our epistle reading, that's followed by Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, that says that you were buried with Christ in your baptism, that you would rise to new life. And then Colossians 3 starts out, having been raised, set your mind on things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. This is our hope. And this is our desire that gives us peace no matter what our circumstance. And you know what? We desire this peace not only for ourselves, but also for the world around us. We wish death and resurrection and baptism to a new hope, a new life for every single person in the world. Even those that we would label as our enemies. Even those people that we have a tough time with. Well, maybe you guys don't have tough times with anybody, but I do. Just teasing. I know that you do. We have difficult times with people, but we wish for them to know the peace that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because we understand God's word. It's true. And it tells us that we at one time, in Romans 5, we at one time were God's enemies. And yet he sent his son to die for who? You and me, who were his enemies. And guess what? He made his enemies into children of God. He took all of his enemies' sin, all their chasing after the wind. He took it upon himself and he crucified it. And then we love our enemies because God loves us. We act in peace towards them, forgiving them as God in Christ first forgave us. We're not at war with them. Paul even notes we're not at war with flesh and blood. We're at war with the devil and our very own sinful nature. There was a man without peace who followed Jesus in our gospel lesson. At the beginning of the chapter, it says that this man was one of, he was one of a crowd of many thousands that were trampling one another in order to get close to Jesus. This man thought that if Jesus, if he could get to Jesus, Jesus could solve his problem and then peace would be his. This man, with, the, with his issue on his mind, waited for Jesus to stop talking 
And then he spoke his request. If we were to read the surrounding text, we would see that this man was not really listening to Jesus at all. For in this scene, Jesus was actually instructing his disciples about God's care for them. He was instructing them to not be afraid of the people who oppose his message, specifically the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this context. He let his followers know that they should not speak, not seek peace in the things of this world. In their case, they weren't to seek peace in the approval of other people. This is ironic because this man asked Jesus to give him something in this world that he thinks will give him peace. In other words, he was not listening to God's word that brings peace at all. He had something else on his mind. He was waiting for a turn to teach God in the flesh how to give peace to him. Do you get that? Lord, if you just give me this, then it's going to be okay. Lord, just get me through this junk and then it's going to be easy street. We do the same thing. I do the same thing all the time. So the man says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is an interesting response from Jesus. Couldn't Jesus see that his brother was being unjust? And wouldn't Jesus want his brother to do the right thing? Wouldn't he want his brother to change? Wouldn't Jesus want to change his brother's sinfulness so that he could be at peace? Well, Jesus wasn't talking to his brother. He was talking to this man. And through the scripture, he was talking to us. Changing, you know, changing his brother was not going to bring him peace. This man needs peace whether his brother changes or not. And in order for that to happen, Jesus can't address the sins of the brother. He doesn't address the sins of the world out there. He addresses the sin of this man. He addresses our sin. We don't come to him for other people's sin. We come to him because we need help personally. This man's sin, particular sin, was coveting, meaning that he was seeking peace in things that are not yet his. This is like us seeking peace through changes in world policy or in changing the attitudes of others, or in getting a diploma, or in reaching some other goal. 
None of those things are bad. In fact, those things are good. But we need peace that surpasses all understanding whether we are rich or whether we are poor, whether we are sick or whether we are healthy, and whether or not our enemies change. They might not change. We still need peace. So Jesus, not, Jesus chooses not to talk about the man's brother, but rather what is going on in this man's own heart. Jesus tells this man and the people around him and us a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For now I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, I will build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods. You, have, you, can, you can relax for many years. Eat, drink, be merry. Well, let's examine this real quick. The man... This man probably always wanted the kind of success that he had in his fields that year. It was a dream come true. Now, is he at peace? No. Because now he has to figure out what to do with his crops. He comes up with a solution. Now, is he at peace? No, because he has to tear down old barns and build new ones. We've been through a building project. It is not peaceful. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And only at the end of all of that work is he envisioning peace. His peace is seen in his mind's eye in eating, drinking, relaxing, and being married. I wonder, if he ever reached that goal, would he then truly be at peace? No. Because Solomon, who achieved it, says that then you're worried about the people coming after you. And Jesus mentions that too. And after you, what are they going to do with everything that you worked so hard for? When you have a will, you've got the stress of distributing a will. <laughs> if you don't have any money, no stress. <laughs> Jesus' point is that this man will have no peace. This man's peace is always in the future. Where's your peace? Jesus continues the story. But God said to this rich man, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And Jesus said to the man who approached him in the crowd, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, in order for Jesus to bring this man peace, he had to point out this man's sin before God. And then, 
he would take that sin to the cross where that sin would be nailed, bleed, and die. And then, with that sin paid for, if that man by the Holy Spirit received Jesus in baptism, Jesus would raise that man to new life and a promise of eternal riches and glory that nobody is going to be able to take away. Where are you seeking peace? If you're anything like me, most of the time you seek peace in riches, achievements, goals, stuff. I seek peace in on YouTube fail videos. <laughs> I look, I look for peace and uh, I, I, can, I can spend 45 minutes and not even realize I was there <laughs> watching these dumb uh, fail videos. And then I got to return to my problems. We need to be reminded that nothing in this world gives true peace. True peace comes as a gift from the Savior who feeds us with the riches of heaven in the feast of his son's body and blood. True peace comes when we hear the word, I forgive you. It's gone. When we know that we've done something wrong. True peace comes not from this world, but from the one who came into this world and took on our flesh. True peace comes from God's Son, Jesus Christ. My, that's right, God's Son. My prayer for myself and all of you is that when you feel unrest, which I'm predicting the future, <laughs> you will feel unrest later on today. <laughs> When you feel unrest, that we would all set our hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, at God's right hand. That we would put our sinful nature to death through confessing our sin, our idolatry. And that we would put on the new man through the reception of God's word and gifts. When you go to the Bible, it's not to prove to God how devoted you are to Him. You go to the Bible because that's where gifts are. I'm not reading my Bible uh, three times a day to say, Jesus, look how devoted I am to you. If I do read the Bible three times a day, it's because I've been in lack of peace 20 times that day. <laughs> we come to church not to show God how great of a Christians we are. We come to church because we're messed up. We need peace. We come not seeking for him to change my husband, my wife, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. We come to him because we need changing.
Jesus alone makes us to be men and women who are at peace in this chaotic world. And as people who walk in his peace, we do something that the world doesn't do. We forgive our neighbor, our enemies. And in whatever way is possible between us and other people, we try to live at peace with them. We don't need to insist on having our own way. If our brother wants to withhold the inheritance, I mean, who's he really hurting? He can't take away my heavenly treasure. But he is hurting himself. We pray that Jesus would make us into people who love others as we have been loved in Christ. In other words, we who once lacked peace become peacemakers. What a blessing. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.